Hi everyone, I'm Margie Alanis and this is Farm Her Talks. These are the stories of everyday women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. And this episode is sponsored by Nationwide and we are continuing our lineup in discussing Everybody Eats, which is a campaign that they have to make sure that People across the food chain, consumers, producers, can have some visibility into all those different parts and pieces that really get the food from the farm to our table. So we have talked to people who support farm workers through Proteus. We might talk to 4-H. You know, we talk to so many different parts and pieces of the system of agriculture that we uh, all live in, whether we know it or not, because Everybody eats and all food starts at the farm. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about all of the changes, not just in my life and my business and in my world, but the things that I was seeing online for farmers of all different types, right? Whether they're a, a small vegetable uh, or produce farm that you know just sells to their local community, or whether they're a huge hog operation that you know has hundreds of thousands of, of pigs going out the door. You know, this uh, economic situation, this pandemic, and all of the fallout that has gone along with it has really created waves all throughout. And it struck me um, as I put on my insurance hat, which I do so many times, just because that's the way I was ingrained for so many years in my prior life before farm her. And so I started thinking about what should these people be thinking about in relation to the risk that might be shifting or changing in their operations as well. Because it's a really important, I, I, I don't know about you, but I love farm her. I love what I get to do with farm her. And I want to protect that with everything that I have. So in diversifying the business and making shifts and trying to understand how we can go here or there or do other things, if I don't make sure that the business is safe and protected from a legal standpoint and from an insurance standpoint and from my accounting standpoint, then I'm not doing my job. And so when I put on my risk hat and started thinking about how these producers are shifting and maybe what they should be thinking about, it struck me that I wasn't sure of the right questions to ask or even the answers that would be out there as well. And so we are going to go talk to my friend Aaron Cummings at Nationwide about some of the things that we're seeing going on out there and what her suggestion would be for people to be able to think about how they can better manage their risk. And we are going to take it to the farm and Aaron Cummings, who is the Associate Vice President of Agribusiness Underwriting at Nationwide. Aaron, hello. Hello, Margie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not bad, considering. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that, that I like that. Not bad, considering, right? Um, I actually am like the worst offender of being like, I'm great, even when I'm like, actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's like, just he, life. Yeah. In these times, I think it's so important for us to be really real about yeah. what we're experiencing, whether it's work or home or farm life. Um, there's no sense to sugarcoat it. There's a lot of tough things going on out there right now. Yeah, there there really is. Okay, so speaking of work and home and farm life, you are juggling all three. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, let's start with what's going on at the farm right now. It is, uh, you know, we're getting into what, late spring, I guess. And uh, so what do you guys have going on? Sure, well, we are in a really interesting place right now where spring came early and we were dry. So all of the crop went in really, really easy. 
This year, we're down a couple hundred acres from last year, which ironically, you're never usually glad to lose acres, but in this year, we're okay to lose a couple hundred acres. So everything went in the ground really, really well. We actually pulled out of the field on May 2nd, which is record time for any year, as long as anyone can remember. So we've had a little bit of downtime where we're really focusing on making sure everything on the farm is running. Matthew's spending a lot of time in the shop, helping out there because luckily business has picked back up, which has been really, really good. And it's not quite time to mow hay. We could probably start mowing some hay, but we've had some rain. So we're waiting a little bit on that. So that's what's been going on here. It has been interesting since school was canceled, finding some educational type opportunities on the farm with Tara. And really, and she's my almost nine-year-old daughter and trying to almost recreate the 1980s summer that I had as a kid. <laughs> yes. The farm. So uh, we have a barn full of barn cats and a couple, actually three litters of kittens that she's spending a lot of time with, which is awesome. Yeah. But we added... Um, as part of kind of a at-home science project, two chicks. Oh, so we actually incubated six eggs, and we're lucky enough to hatch one chick out of the six. Okay. And then of course, I was worried that well, we, what if this poor chick thinks it's a cat? So we had to get the chick a friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that one you didn't before. incubate though. You brought in yes. a already hatched we second already chick. Hatched chick. So okay. we have two chicks on the farm: jelly bean and licorice. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's been really fun kind of watching them. So there's a couple weeks old now and just kind of running around and will be interesting to watch them as they grow. That's been a fun project. That sounds like a really fun project and, and go science, right? From that's right. seeing an egg hatch and getting to experience, you know, how to keep a chick alive, right? Yeah, And sure. um, yeah, so good for you. So I think... Um, to, to give everyone a perspective of your farm too, you guys have hay ground, you have crop grounds, you, uh, operate a, um, auto, um, mm -hmm. repair business. Is that what it is? We do. Yeah. So yeah. we have a full service automotive repair business on the farm that my husband manages. And we've got a couple guys that work for us there. We also have 50 head of cattle and yeah. then we feed out all our own cattle in a small feedlot operation. So we've got lots going on and I forgot to mention much about the cattle, but we wrapped up calving season just the other day. Had a really good calving season, unfortunately lost a calf in one of those late season snowstorms, but had really good luck otherwise. Um, and fortunately, no bottle calves this year. So that's an okay thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, pandemic aside, all the fluctuation in the market aside, it sounds like you guys have had a pretty good spring. The, the crops in the ground, the, mm -hmm. the rain has come now, right? It just needs right. to shut off again at some point. And yeah. uh, the cattle are, are uh, doing their thing. So that's right. Yeah. And I've gotten some projects done outside with my husband's help. So it's been a great spring. Oh man, we have all the projects going on here. It's like we, they're like exploding out of everywhere and yeah, it's, it's been good. So for all those things, it's good for the kids to get to see that. Right. Sure. I keep telling myself that anyway, because that's what they're going to see. So <laughs> that's right. they have no choice right now. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. So, um, let's see. I think also, so no, no lambs this year. Is that right then? Right. No okay. lambs this year. Yep. Okay. Because when I visited you, that was a couple of years ago, you had two of the cutest little lambs and they were, um, one was Thunder, I think, right? Was there one named yep. Thunder? And yeah. John Deere. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Why not? Yeah, yeah. That was really fun, but we think we need to get a little more time um, before Tara gets a little bit older so she can take on more of the work. Yeah. And this year actually would have been an okay year to get lambs, 
had we known we'd been home so much because they do take so much work and so much time and so many feedings when they're little. Um, But uh, it was kind of nice to have calves last year in bottle calves because they're a lot more sturdy than little lambs. Um, But we're okay this year just having some chicks. Did Tara um, show any of the animals when you did have them at the fair? Or is she going to do that with the chicks if there is a fair? She didn't take the lambs to the fair or even the bottle calves. At the county that we live in, the bottle calves go to the fair the entire fair, even with the clover kid. And I wasn't quite ready to invest in that time. But with her lambs, we did have a lamb show for her birthday party. So when we had the family over, we had a family friend actually do the judging for her and then had her show them here in the yard, which was kind of fun. I do think if the fair still continues on, like what we expect, there's a pet show. I know, fingers crossed. There's a pet show that the Clover kids can do. So I think she could take a chicken as her pet and yeah. I show her chicken. So I'm kind of excited to see her do that. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. That's a great place to start. People always laugh at me. I used to take my cat and show it because there was a pet show yeah. like when you were in 4-H. I'm like, that's what I had, people. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So speaking of those little lambs and and the theme of what has been striking me, you know, as somebody who used to work in risk management and I can't ever like stop my brain from, from going there when I think about, um, you know, the risks on a farm and a ranch and inherent throughout agriculture and how you manage those, um, you know, things are changing really, really swiftly for everybody right now, right? We just talked about how they're changing for us, but, but all over the place, right? And so I was thinking about your little lambs the other day and thinking about how people are really starting to shift in maybe they're getting their products to the end user. And so we're going to talk about that for sure. But my first question is, you know, when you did have those lambs or you have those chicks, is there anything from a risk perspective that you have to think about when you have people come onto your farm? Maybe it's just Tara's friends, or maybe it's uh, people, you know, you know, like what, what goes through your mind as an insurance professional when you have anybody come onto your farm, not even from a sales perspective, just from a, let me look at your cute chicks perspective. (laughs) Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that because we're around them all the time, we take some of the risk for granted. So things like, oh, there's a tractor running with an implement. We know to steer clear. We know what to watch out for, but our guests may not. So stepping back and putting ourselves in those guest shoes to think about, well, what do we know that they may not know? Um, it kind of goes without saying at our house that you do not touch smooth wire because it might be electric fence, but your guests may not know that. So how can you make sure that you've got the proper warnings or you tell them or you're with them to make sure that they're not inadvertently doing something that puts them at risk? The other thing is that people that might not be very familiar with a, a working farm is that those big bulls, yeah, they look friendly and kind, but they're big and they could easily push you down even if they're the tamest there. So just making sure that depending on the age of those guests, we have safeguards and expectations in place. The other biggest thing, washing hands. Oh. So anytime you see your pet an animal, let's go to the shop, let's get our hands washed. Let's make sure we're not petting animals and then having a snack. Even if guests or friends are over, we really have to focus on proper hand washing. Yeah. And all the time, right? Because, exactly. hey, it's a pandemic. So right. despite that, but I think these are all great things to think about just in stopping to think about it. So 
I think the other thing that strikes me is these might be friends of yours. And I hear people say it all the time, right? Like we live in, we don't live in town. I don't know how to describe where we live. I guess it's technically in city limits, but it's not like, um, you know, like there's a downtown right next door or anything, but we have neighbors. And, um, one of those people has a trampoline and there's kids from all over. It's kind of like the same thing, right? Like there's a risk sitting there and they're like, oh, you know what? They're all neighbors. They're all, they're all friends and we don't really care. And, you know, and I think that's great, but my insurance hat always goes on Mm -hmm. and I'm like, here's, here's the deal. Like those people can all be your friends. And of course they're not going to like, we're not going to sue you, but if somebody gets hurt or injured and it, it may be out of their hands, like their insurance mm-hmm. company might come into play, right? And so yeah. you just always have to be thinking about when people come onto your farm mm-hmm. and, and yeah. how that can play out, right? Yeah, you really do. And to think about the level of care you have to give. So if it's a toddler coming out as a friend, that's a much higher level of care than if it's my friend that's coming out that should know better than to, you know, fall into the hole or whatever it might be. So really making sure that standard of care aligns. And we also know that anytime anything happens to a child, lots of emotions involved. So maybe it's a stubbed toe, but what if it's a broken leg or something worse? Um, Those emotions run high and everything's off the table at that point. Friendships, unfortunately, included. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, things can change swiftly, you know, and yeah. And and there's just more inherent risk. People always say, oh, do you take your kids to all the farms? And actually we're getting to a point where I'm trying to figure out how, how we can do this more as a family, because I've realized through this that I, I love my family. I I knew that before, (laughs) But, (laughs) but, but, um, it's been really nice to be around them more than I have been the last few years. And Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of going, how can I keep more of that in my life? And so maybe they will get to come with me. Maybe we can make some of these trips together as a family, but my kids aren't from a farm, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always say that, like, I can't just turn my head and know that my eight-year-old's not going to go mess with the bull and not understand that that could be a really, really dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So Next up, um, I have, uh, we recently just talked to a farm and uh, her name was Kara Babinek and it's Gunthorpe Farms and they're in Indiana. And what they do is they sell or they have, right? Their their business has been uh, modeled around selling um, most of their pastured livestock meat um, and to give you a little um, background, they raise, they're one of the largest pastured poultry, pastured livestock operations in the country. They have their own USDA f- processing facility on wow. farm, mm-hmm. and they have made their business out of selling that mostly wholesale to high-end restaurants in sure. maybe Chicago or Indiana, mm-hmm. right? And so when everything changes overnight and people are suddenly not going to restaurants, maybe even more so to high-end restaurants, because how do you have takeout from a high-end restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They had to shift. And so we we talked to her about how they quickly shifted into selling their product direct to the consumer, right? They've been meaning to set up an online website and here's the perfect opportunity. And no different from your farm, right? I think we all realize that diversity matters. You got to have different places that you reach your customers and different products that you give to your customers. And and so when I think about these shifts that people are going through, Erin, I think um, 
I'd love to get your take from a risk perspective about maybe how somebody should think about that. Like if someone's out there going, I think I'm ready to maybe go direct to consumer with my meat. I've been thinking about it for a while and to put a little bit more of the control back in my own hands, you know, um, because we're seeing this increased demand on the consumer side for that. So what are some things that, that you, from an insurance perspective, people should think about when they start to think about how they could change their business in that direction? Sure. Well, anytime anyone's thinking about adding what we would call a new revenue stream to the operation, so a new way to bring revenue to the farm that they hadn't been doing before, we know that insurance is not the first thing that they think about. No. And that there's a lot of risk, whether that's price risk or reputation risk or many other types of risk that you face when you bring in a new revenue stream. There's also a lot of liability risk. Yeah. And there's insurance products that are designed to reduce that risk. So the biggest thing that I can tell anyone when they introduce a new revenue stream, regardless if it's direct to public, if it's a new operation, maybe it's adding another type of livestock or another type of prop, make sure that you review your coverage needs and your operation with an agent. Mm -hmm. That insurance agent has been exposed to so many scenarios and has a lot of great companies that they can work with and represent that they can find coverage solutions to meet your individual needs. They can also help you analyze some of those those risks associated with that new revenue stream and that you may uncover something that man you could make a lot of money doing mm -hmm. but the risk is so great and maybe yeah. there's not even an insurance product out there to provide some peace of mind coverage uh, for that revenue stream or that operation so yeah. my biggest feedback to folks is not to expect to be an insurance expert yourself but to be able to have an agent that you trust that you can talk with that can help you find the right solutions for your own unique individual operation. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's always good to reach out to your friends and understand what they're doing. But I would always say, go to a licensed agent for like, don't just assume like, Oh yeah, we're covered for that. Cause my friend said that they're covered for that. Like that's great, but their insurance policy may be different with a different carrier too. Right. And right. And, even though like I spent 11 years working in insurance and I can tell you I still wouldn't ever probably call myself an expert. Uh, it, there's a lot of ins, outs, ups, downs, right. you know, things to, to understand and that's what an agent's job is. So I, I think that that's so important. Like it doesn't cost anything to call up the agent and talk right. to them about that, right? Like you don't have to, I, I would say that there's zero harm in, in at exactly. least asking, mm -hmm. asking the For question. Sure. Um, so is there any differences that you can think of? So one farm, she's down in Southern Iowa. She, um, I saw it on Facebook. They teamed up with um, uh, Peace Tree Brewing, which uh, makes mm -hmm. yep. beer and root beer and all kinds of things like that. And then um, a creamery who makes cheese. And mm -hmm. she's a veggie farm, uh, Blue Gate Farms. Yep. And probably not too far south of where you are actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, then a meat company, Ebersol, um, yep. Ebersol Family. And so they all kind of teamed up and they send out a message and you can order what you want off of their mm -hmm. form and then you go pick it up. And it got me thinking, like, is the risk different? And, and I think I know where you're going to go with this answer, but um, is the risk different? Like if you're packaging up and shipping it out from your facility versus you're going and meeting a customer in person, right? Like you're, you're putting yourself out there in the public to get that product to them. Is there different things to think about with that? Yeah, there definitely is. So the, 
general risk is the same. You still have the same risk about food safety is very, very important. But I think based on your customer base, the expectation and the reasonableness of care that you need to provide to that customer does change. So if you're selling to a restaurant, that restaurant likely has some standards about how they expect the food to be cooked, uh, what temperature things leave the kitchen at. If you're selling to a home cook or a lot of individuals, they may not have that same level of standard or even that same experience if they're cooking you know, a beautiful steak for the first time on the grill or a new smoker. So making sure that the food is extremely safe, number one, and then there's a, a thought of, well, does my unendorsed policy even cover that type of loss? Yeah. A lot of times there is a business exclusion in a homeowner's policy or even a farm policy that if you're selling a processed good like that, mm -hmm. you may not have coverage on your unendorsed policy. So you'll either need to seek an endorsement to add coverage for that specific operation or maybe add another type of policy to that same package. Yeah. But definitely options that an agent could easily walk someone through. Yeah. And I, I, what I heard you say is it's doable. It just yeah. not, might not be set up that way right now. Right. right. So it's sure. just maybe an addition that can be made no different from, hey, we finished our basement. And what if it floods? Because I just spent a lot of money to finish it down here. You know, yeah. like that, that's an additional thing that you can add on. And so, exactly. I mean, gosh, the endorsements on farm policies must be like, just the sky's the limit. Sometimes yeah. I would imagine there's, there's so many, there's so many scenarios. <laughs> okay, Aaron. So um, I think I didn't butcher your title, Associate Vice President of Agribusiness Underwriting. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, what does that mean? And for somebody who isn't an insurance person, you know, what, what does an underwriter do? Sure. Well, an underwriter, I like to call them the gatekeeper between the agent and the insured and the company. So they work to make sure that the policies that they write are priced appropriately and are acceptable to the company standards. So we can't write only bad policies. We can't write only good policies per se, but the, the accounts that we write are structured correctly so that we have enough money in the bank to pay future losses on that policy and the entire group of policies. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been at Nationwide a long time? I, or have you been in underwriting a long time? Yeah, I have been. I've actually been at Nationwide over 16 years now. Started there back in 2003 as a farm underwriter trainee. Really loved the job. I don't know that anyone ever grows up and says, ooh, I'm going to be in insurance. And it wasn't me. But I landed in this role where I got to talk to people from all across the country about agriculture. And I got to geek out a little bit on the insurance forms and kind of have the intellectual um, thing that I, uh, that I like as part of my job. And just opportunities kept coming for me to raise my hand and throw my name in the hat. For additional roles. So I was an underwriter, a senior underwriter, a manager, a director, and then an AVP. So in my AVP role, I lead a team of directors that have managers and associates that report to them. We've got associates in Des Moines, Iowa, in Sacramento, California, and spread out across the entire country where we meet the needs of our agents who will then work with our farm customers across the country. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think that your role is somewhat unique, but I also do see women and men who are in this position all the time where you um, spend your days working off the farm, but you mm -hmm. juggle farm life as well. So tell me a little bit about what that professional role brings to your farm, her role as well. Sure. Or maybe vice versa. Maybe what the farm, her role farm. brings to your professional role, right? <laughs> yeah. 
it can easily go both ways. But I love being able to take my farm her knowledge about what's going on in the industry, what are farmers feeling and seeing, and taking with that taking that with me into nationwide so I can provide kind of that customer insight and that feel as we think about making changes or how we go to market. I think a lot of times I can take my nationwide experience to the farm too. And that it, in my role, there's various HR opportunities that we have to work through. They're very similar in the farm space. You know, HR isn't something that comes to mind to a lot of farmers, but having some of those skills and having to deal with some interesting HR situations can help me deal with those similar type of situations when we're on the farm or working through our small business. Um, so here's something interesting as a business owner, uh, as we think about how we might participate in like the Iowa State Fair, if it were to yeah. happen, you know, um, and I think about these small farms, right? Like the, they need to be cautious about how they interact with the public because of the virus too. Mm -hmm. Is there anything going on in, in the insurance world that has helped? Um, like, is that something that would even be considered or reflected in an insurance policy? Like if, if I am known to have the virus and I pass it along mm -hmm. to somebody else, you know, um, we, we see this all the time now, like a hairdresser accidentally just gave the virus to 80 people or whatever that is. Like as a business owner, from an insurance perspective, is that something that is even part of the discussion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a significant amount of risk that some of those producers are facing because they're changing the way they do business. And every policy is structured differently. So yep. the important thing is to look at your policy, understand what exclusions are there around communicable diseases or viruses to know if there's coverage or not. Um, unfortunately, right now, this is a pandemic. There's not a lot of uniformity in coverage. So we'll have to kind of see how time all works out and if there's some industry standards around coverage. Um, but really, that standard of care doesn't change whether you're worried about food contamination or a virus spreading or even someone getting injured on premise. It's all about that care that you need to express to make sure that anyone that you're in contact with is safe. Right. Oh, hey, wash your hands, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pre-pandemic, when we were set up at the Iowa State Fair the last few years, we had this huge pump bottle of uh, antibacterial hand stuff, mm -hmm. you know, at our booth. And we met a lot of people just because they were like moths to a flame because they were like, let me use some of that, you know. And it's just not a bad idea to try to keep your hands as clean yeah, as possible whenever sure. you can, right? Like mm -hmm. just for one sure. little uh, care item that you can do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so does this differ, um, you know, the, the risks that are inherent? How do you guys um, look at this maybe when you look at a large farm versus a small farm? And I realize there's so many gray areas within that, right? But if you're Bluegate Farms down in Sheraton, Iowa, mm -hmm. and you've got a really like a fairly small circle of customers, mm -hmm. or if you're a very large farm raising thousands and thousands and thousands of heads of cattle, selling mm -hmm. them through to a packing plant, like what are some of the different ways that they might need to look at how they're shifting their risk? Sure. Yeah, size necessarily doesn't matter. You could have a very large operation that's going direct to consumer or a very small one. So it really comes down to the question of who is your initial customer and then who are your end customers. The other thing that we're seeing a big need in the farm space for is better use of contracts. So is there contractual language in place between the buyer and the seller, whether it's a wholesale situation or a direct -to consumer situation or the proper legal um, contracts in place to make sure that liability is transferred correctly 
or at least people understand where the liability falls. So what we do see in those larger operations, I think they're a little quicker to come to the realization that yes, we do need to protect our own assets because right. they may be significant through contracts. Where smaller operation, that might not be top of mind, but it's very, very important to ensure that we know where the legal liability lies and that's often established by a contract. Yeah. And see, maybe it's just um, so a little bit of insight in my past in insurance. I specifically mm -hmm. worked in risk flow contracts, mm -hmm. how we dealt with the risk behind the scenes. Right. Like mm -hmm. and so I from the get go with Farmer, even before we were really like had anything to worry about, I've been we have to have a contract for anything yep. that we do in place. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that can be helpful. Sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, how frustrating. But at least it's clear up front, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm also of the perspective that we are a very small company ultimately. But to me, if something were to happen, if we were to get sued, and this is why I was so um, like insistent on contracts for everything up front or releases, model releases, if yep. you get somebody's picture, because mm -hmm. here's the deal if I get sued, I don't, I can't like, fight through that, right? Like right. we're, we're just going to have to shut down mm -hmm. versus a large company sometimes has different ways to maneuver maybe through that. So mm -hmm. I could argue that I think it's even more important sometimes yes. for smaller farms and producers mm -hmm. to have contractual relationships in place for sure. Yeah, so, sure. um, anyway, that's just my contract hat right geek there. Geeking out, some insurance geek out here. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know, it's funny as I always was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this job? Like, how did I get to this job? Like, what happened to my life? And I'm a creative person, you know, I should be taking photos. And funny thing now, I'm like, you know, all those parts and pieces that you pick up along the way, like, they're useful in some way or another. <laughs> it makes you know. sense later on when all the pieces come together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, Erin, so to wrap this up, um, are there other things that you want to say maybe in relation to people who are shifting what they produce, how they produce it, where they distribute it, um, how people are accessing their products? Is, is there anything that maybe I haven't asked that you think is important for people to think about? Yeah, definitely think it's very important for anyone to have an agent that they can trust. No question should be a dumb question. So finding that agent you can trust is so important. The other thing is to think about those different revenue streams in your operation and say, should a loss happen, think through the then what. A lot of times we talk about continuity planning. For instance, a dairy is a great example. So if there is, you know, we're in weather season right now, if there's a storm and my par parlor is damaged, what am I going to do and what is it going to cost me to remain in business? Or do I have another, do I have access to a mobile parlor? How does that work? And to think about how the coverage then through an insurance policy can align with that interruption in your business or that property loss to make sure that you can remain in business and you've got the access to the funds that you need through an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So that's something I always like to talk about. But definitely calling an agent is not on the top of anyone's mind or thinking about insurance when you start a new operation. I'd love for folks to think that, oh, wait, stop. Let me at least call my agent. Let's talk through this. Mm -hmm. um, before just jumping in because there's a lot of excitement to get going and roll with things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th that's the fun part, right? Is like the mm -hmm. let's run with it. But yeah, I, again, I can't stress enough. Just make that call. And you know what, like, like you said, sometimes it's not top of mind. And mm -hmm. I mean, 
insurance is usually like closer to top of mind for me than it might be for a lot of other people. But I've forgotten to tell my insurance agent things. And Mm -hmm. that's just the way it goes, right? You're like, uh, oh yeah, we've got a trailer rolling down the road with, you know, $50,000 worth of merchandise in it. Right. How do we have insurance for that? You know, like, and you know what? He never, like, he kind of laughed a little bit, but only because I made it a joke. Right. And it was like, okay, let's figure this out. And this right. is not and a big deal. Do it. And right. the cost, you know, like sometimes like you worry, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to afford this coverage? Usually it's not like something that can't be mm-hmm. bared within the business. It just right. needs to be dealt with is what I have yeah. found. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the other piece of advice is always weigh the cost versus the value. So mm-hmm. yes, it may be an expensive coverage, but does that coverage add significant value to your operation? Uh, so thinking about it from the value that it brings and the peace of mind even is an important aspect. Man, peace of mind for me is worth mm-hmm. a whole lot of money. Yeah. Like I can't buy peace of mind. I just can't right. buy it unless it's an insurance policy. That's that's the only kind sure. of peace of mind you can buy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really does help. It really does. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, this has been great. Is there anything I've left out? Anything else that, that you want to get out about coverage? I think I've heard... Uh, contact your agent. Your agent knows what's going yeah. on. Um, more than likely, they've seen or heard about a business that's doing what you're doing or made a shift in some way, and they've got some ideas, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Awesome. Okay, Erin, well, thank you so much for joining us here today. I think this was a good discussion for all those people out there that are uh, making the ultimate pivot, as we all are, right? Like looking at where they're going and what they're doing and how they can keep going up. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. You too.